Hello, friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. Hey, it's been a really busy and exciting weekend this weekend at uh, Vernonia Church as we have had an army of people here all weekend long. We've been putting up our new playground. Last year for a Christmas offering, we raised money to purchase and build a new playground here and on our site. And I'm excited because it's been uh, being put in. And so I decided I was going to record and wear exactly what I've been wearing uh, as I've been hauling cement digging holes and all that uh, just so you could feel like you're hanging out with us as we're as we're just getting stuff done and exciting stuff here at Vernonia Church. But I'm thrilled that you've joined us today as we're going to continue our series where we've been talking about what my protector means to me. And in just a few moments I'm going to share with you a teaching about what his searching and finding mean to me. And it's going to be a great day. Before we begin, I want to invite you to pray with me as we invite God to speak to us, to teach us, as we invite him to maybe bring the right word for the right moment in our lives to connect with us so that we could experience him and we could walk closer with him. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this chance to get together and get in your word. God, I pray that you will speak to us. God, we're so thankful for the good things you do in our lives. Good things like helping our church put a playground in so we can uh, just more effectively reach children and kids and be a blessing to them. God, I pray that you will bless this church, and I pray that you will bless each one who's joining us as we're diving in now uh, into your word. I pray that you will remind us that you are always searching for us, that we can't go anywhere, that you can't find us, and that we can always know that even when we wander, uh, that you will come looking for us and draw us back to yourself. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, let's dive into our teaching today. Uh, you may have heard there's an old story that preachers often tell. It's a story about uh, this preacher who found a shoebox in his closet, and there was some strange things in that shoebox. He opened it up, and, and he found that there was an egg carton with five eggs in it. And under the carton, there was like $10,000 in cash. Well, confused about this shoebox, he asked his wife. He said, well, what's the deal with this shoebox? Do you know anything about it? And his wife kind of smirked, and she said, yeah, I, I do. She said, you know, ever since we've been married and you've been a pastor, I've put one egg in that egg carton for every bad sermon you preached. Oh, that preacher was feeling really good about it. Uh, you know, I mean, there was only five eggs, and it had been years and years and years that he was sharing. He said, well, what's the deal with the $10,000? And she said, well, uh, that one's easy. She said, every time I filled up the egg carton, I sold the eggs, and I stored the cash in this shoebox. <laughs> well, uh, have you ever found something that surprised you? Have you ever maybe searched for something that you had lost and and found it and you are excited to find it? Well, today we're going to be talking a little bit about searching and finding and losing and all kinds of stuff as we think about the way that Jesus is always searching for us. He never gives up. 
He's always searching for us. He'll always find us. And he wants to bring his sheep back to himself. And so we're going to talk about what does it mean? How does that make you feel? What, what does that tell you that you can depend on and rely on when it comes to your protector, uh, your shepherd, when it comes to following him, knowing that he will always search for you? Now, Jesus was trying to teach in a, in a story the idea that he's always searching. He told a story about a, about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. And one of those sheep ended up wandering away. He, he tells that story in Luke chapter 15. And, 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 he, and he says this, If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go search for that one who was lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders and when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over ninety-nine others who were righteous and haven't strayed away. And what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about what it means to know that your shepherd, whenever you wander, is going to search for you. That your shepherd, whenever you wander, he wants to he wants to find you, throw you up on his shoulders, carry you back, and he wants to he wants to rejoice because you've turned back to him. In Psalm twenty three, verse four, David would say, "I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me." And your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. And we're in this series, we're talking about this idea of, of a protector, of how Jesus is our shepherd who has his rod and staff, protects us, goes out before us. And in this series, we're thinking about him as, as our personal protector, our, our personal shepherd. And one of the things he does to protect us is he's always going to search for us. He's always going to find us. And he's always going to try to bring us back. And he's always going to rejoice when that happens. What does it mean for you to know that? What does it mean for you to know that, that he will search for and find you? Well, for some of you, it means a whole lot. For some of you, you're at a place where maybe you need to 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 realize what it means that he is searching for you and he wants to find you and he wants to rejoice. But what I want to do is I want to share with you some thoughts about what, what it means. And the first thought is this, that when I know that Jesus searches for and finds me, number one, I can know that Jesus leads me with love. That he, he loves me. He has this incredible love for me. In Psalm 26, verse 3, it says, Your love is ever before me. You're this shepherd out in front of me, and, and, and your love is out there in front of me and before me. And I walk continually in your truth. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, it tells us that God's always searching for us with this everlasting love, this, this loving kindness. In Jeremiah 31.3, it says this, Long ago, the Lord said, I, had, I have loved you, my people, 
With an everlasting love, with an unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. The word everlasting love here is a word that that in some of your Bibles is translated loving kindness. Uh, this loving kindness, it's, it's huge. It's ongoing. It's, it's never ending. He's always reaching out to us and searching for us and trying to draw us to himself with his amazing love. And, and even when you don't feel loved, he loves you and he's reaching out to you with this loving kindness. I love this word because it's a word that that I often think of when I think of the way that a young man tries to woo or or tries to draw a young woman to himself. He shows this incredible loving kindness. He 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 opens her door. He he shares with her his heart, his thoughts, and 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 he's trying to share his his best with her so that she might turn her heart his way. And God has been doing that your entire life. He's continually doing that. Even when you don't know he's doing it, he's doing it. He's showing you this loving kindness, trying to draw you to himself. And and with that one act of incredible loving kindness, the act of coming in person, in the person of Jesus Christ, dying on a cross to give us his life, to do the most loving possible thing that anyone has ever done, to try to give us forgiveness and grace, to save us, to give us hope of heaven. He gives us all that out of his loving kindness, even before he knew you or sorry, even before you knew him, even before you knew of him, even before you you had heard of him, he showed you that loving kindness by doing all that he could to draw you to himself. And everything that's ever happened in your life that's been good, it's come from him. It's been a, a, a an act of loving kindness from him. In James chapter 1, verse 17, it says this, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. God has given you every good thing that's ever happened in your life to draw you to his heart. He's trying to draw you with his loving kindness. He's done it. He's done everything to draw you with his loving kindness. And if you have decide that you you believe in Jesus, if you have made the choice to follow him, then you have become one of his sheep. And, and, and even when the sheep doesn't understand why the shepherd does what he does, doesn't understand how the shepherd is, do, is, is showing his love, the, the sheep doesn't always understand all the things that the shepherd does for them to protect them, to care for them, to meet their needs, to lead them. So too, we don't always understand what God is doing, but he's doing it out of this incredible love for you. And just like sheep, all of us, sometimes wander. We wander. All of us sometimes wander. We, we find ourselves going off the path that the shepherd is trying to lead us to. We find ourselves straying. We find ourselves getting caught up and, and going from one patch of grass to the other until we find ourselves a little far away. All of us wander, and we have a shepherd who will search for and find us out of his loving kindness. And so you can know today as we as we begin this teaching that your shepherd loves you deeply. 
Your shepherd has this loving kindness for you. And your shepherd, even when you stray, even when you wander, he has this love for you and he wants to lead you back to himself with his love. You don't have to be afraid of returning when you've strayed. You don't have to be afraid of facing him when you've strayed. You don't have to be afraid to let him find you and to hear his voice and to answer his call. You don't have to be afraid. Because he wants to lead you back with his loving kindness, just like he led you forward with his loving kindness. And that brings me to thought number two. Thought number two is this, that when I see Jesus, the shepherd who searches for his sheep, that, uh, well, that I know that he won't ever stop searching for me. I'm never too far away that he can't find me. I can know that he's always searching for me. In Matthew 18, 12, it says, listen, when the sheep wanders away, what what does the shepherd do? Well, he leaves the 99 and he goes and searches for for that lost one. And, And when I wander, when I'm feeling lost, I can remember that I'm never I'm never at a place, no matter how far away I think I've gotten, I'm never at a place where he can't find me, where he won't come and search for me. I'm never so far away that I can't be found. And when Jesus sees his sheep wandered, well, he searches for his sheep. And I want to just share with you just a moment that that this is at the heart of of who Vernonia Church is. The heart of our church is the heart of a church that says, if there's one more to be found, we're going to do all that we can to help find them. Even if it means <laughs> raising money to, to build a playground so that we might invite community kids to come around or, or, or so that we can let people know that we're a church that cares about families, young families with children. We're going to do all we can to help reach one more person. We don't ever want to stop being a church that grows. We, we don't ever want to stop being a church that, uh, that helps people come to know Jesus and that helps people go through repentance and baptism and, and following him and, and learning more about him. We want to be a church that's always about the business of searching and finding. The heart of this ministry is a heart that says we will always search when there's one more to be found. One more person who will give their heart to Jesus. One more person who will make a decision and take next steps. That's our job as a church. We want to be a growing church. And sometimes, frankly, we know that sheep wander and sometimes we'll be a church and people will come and people will go. And sometimes as a church, just to stay the same size, we have to keep growing and reaching new people. But the heart of this church is that we always want to be reaching new people. We always want to be growing. And we don't want to grow just so that, well, (laughs) just so that we can grow or that we could say that we've grown. We don't want to add numbers for numbers sake. But let me share with you something. Here's why I care about numbers. Because every number we add is another number representing another soul going to heaven. 
And the heart of a growing church is the heart of a church that that knows we need to be reaching out to people. It's really an unselfish heart. You see, churches that don't grow, well, they're filled with selfish people. They go to church because of what it does for them, not what they can do to help others come to know Christ. They go to church because of how it makes them feel. They, they want to be a part of a church that, that ministers to them, is tailored to their wants and their needs. And they're good with their little club. They're good uh, with their little group. They, they'll sing a few old songs on a Sunday morning, listen to a, listen to a, a good sermon. And, and for them, they don't care if their church grows. And the problem with not caring if your church grows is you're basically saying, I'm okay if people in our community don't go to heaven. But that's not the heart of our shepherd. We never want to get to that attitude or have that attitude. We want to be a church that says we're not okay. As long as there's one more person who can come to Christ, our job is to help that person. As long as there's people in the town that we're in who don't know Jesus, who haven't said yes to Jesus yet, as long as there's sheep out there that still need to be found, our job our job is to go find the sheep. And bring them to Jesus. It takes an unselfish person. It takes an unselfish church to want to be a church that's growing. And I just want to say I am proud of Vernonia Church. I'm so proud to be a part of a church that cares about seeing growth. That I'm a part of a church that cares about inviting new people to come and hear the gospel. That cares about and gets excited about seeing people baptized. Not a few weeks ago, we had a special baptism, outdoor baptism service, and we had over 80 people who came to, uh, who not only came to church that Sunday, but 80 people who walked over to the park and watched people get baptized and celebrated with them. And, and, and how awesome is that? It, it's incredible to see that people care about finding lost sheep. Ooh, I'm so thankful I'm part of a church. That's unselfish. A church that has the heart of Jesus who said this in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, there's a part of what Jesus is saying there when he said, I came to seek and save the lost. In the part at the end, it tells us that the world is lost. That we're in this community and in, in the, the people of this community that, that haven't yet allowed themselves to become the sheep of Jesus. That haven't yet allowed themselves to be a part of, of, of his church, of his community. They're lost. People who haven't said yes to Jesus are lost. He came to the world to save the lost. And he thought it was so important to save the lost, that he died on a cross, that he allowed himself to be crucified so that he could save the lost. And I don't know if you ever thought about this before, but if there was any other way that God could have saved people who were lost, then Jesus wouldn't have had to have done that. But Jesus did. He knew that he was the only way to do it. He knew that 
that, that this was the only way. And without him, we're lost. You were lost. I was lost outside of Christ. We're, we're all lost outside of Christ. Have you ever stopped to think that there is no other way for Jesus to find you? If you could get to heaven any other way, Jesus would have been wasting his time. If you could have gotten to heaven by simply being a good person or doing a, a few good deeds, if, if you could have gotten to heaven uh, in, by, by making sure you did more good things than you did bad things, if, if that was possible, if that was a possible way to heaven, then Jesus was really wasting his time and, and effort, and, and he was wasting his love, and he was wasting his work. If that's how you would get to heaven, Jesus didn't have to come but he knew that the only way for you to get to heaven for you to connect with God and have a renewed relationship with God was if he came into our world as Jesus Christ and lived a perfect life and then died on a cross to pay for your sin and my sin because he didn't have any that's what made him able to do that and he died, and there was no other way. Don't you think God would have used another way if there was? And we might not always understand why our shepherd does the things he does the way he does, just like sheep don't always understand their shepherd. But as the shepherd who knows all, who carries a rod and staff, and who's our protector, he said, this is the only way. And Jesus came saying, I came to seek and save the lost. He came seeking you. He came seeking me. He came to seek us. And the world is lost that hasn't been found by him. Everyone is not going to heaven. If they were, Jesus again didn't need to come. Not everyone is going to heaven. And so Jesus said the only way for people to come to know heaven is to come to know me. And God reminds us all that we were lost, all of us, including me. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, in the message, it says this, We were all like sheep who have wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing. You ever done that? You ever just done your own thing? Even those of you who love Jesus, followed Jesus, I'm sure you've had moments or seasons or times, weeks, years even, where, well, you just wandered off and did your own thing. Gone your own way. And it says, and God piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him. On him. We're all like sheep. We all wander. We're all prone to get lost. It's almost like it's natural for us to wander. It's almost like it's it's built into us. You think about it. Did anyone ever have to teach you how to get lost? Have you ever gotten lost? Literally? You gotten lost in a city while you're driving around? I know it's harder to do now with Google Maps and everything and, and or have you ever gotten lost in in the woods have you have you ever gotten lost we, we seem to know how to get lost and, and we start when we're young i'd like to tell you a little story 
once upon a time, there was a pastor and his wife who had some children that were playing at a church event. And they were playing and having a good time, and the kids were all playing. The place was loud and noisy as they were having this big event, and everybody's having uh, fun, and everybody's eating and, and doing their thing. And after a while, this pastor and his wife noticed that one of their children was missing. There was a little concern, but not that much, because, hey, the kids are all over the place and doing different things. And a little bit later, the pastor and his wife got a little concerned because nobody seemed to know where their child was. They began to look all over, and all of a sudden, all the other parents are looking and concerned, and this child is lost. No one seems to be able to know where this child went. Well, in this church, there was a coffee cart, and that coffee cart had drawers in it that had locks on them where all the all the coffee stuff was stored underneath, and and someone heard something in one of those drawers. They heard noise. They figured out that that child was in the drawer, the locked drawer, locked with a padlock on the outside, a uh, coffee cart. Nobody seemed to know where the key was. People looked all over for the key. There was no key for this padlock, and this child was locked in this coffee cart. So that pastor had to go to the local uh, lo local hardware store, get a get a big uh, I don't remember the uh, get a big bolt cutter so they could uh, cut that lock off. And they freed the child, and they found the child. Everybody was happy. So there's a there's a happy ending to the story. Apparently, one of the other kids decided to lock that child in the coffee cart and uh, lose the key. Well, have you ever lost a child as a parent? <laughs> have you ever had a moment where that child got lost? Maybe you as a kid found yourself getting lost. Did you ever have to actually teach your kids how to get lost? No. It's like it's in our nature. We we know how to get lost. We're we're natural wanderers, right? We're naturally curious and we focus on this patch of grass of life and then that patch of grass of life. We think about what's in front of us and we keep moving and moving and realize that we've wandered away, nibble after nibble. We wander away from our parents. We wander away sometimes from God. We wander away from uh, and find ourselves in situations and in times and places where we might find ourselves getting hurt or we wander into situations that we should never have been in in the first place. We wander. We get lost. Sometimes we can get lost in life. Maybe you're here and you're joining us and you're in a place where you're feeling lost. You're in a place where you're saying, you know, I don't even know what to do right now. I don't know what to do financially. I, I, I don't know what to do about my, my work. I don't know what to do about my career. I don't know. I don't know what to do with my kids. I don't know what to do with my spouse. I don't know what to do with my friendships. You might be in a place where you're lost. What do I do now? Do I keep going? Do I, do I give up? Do I try something different? And you're feeling confused you're feeling lost the good news is jesus doesn't stop searching
you can say, even when you're lost, Jesus, I'm lost. Jesus, I need you to find me. Jesus, I, I need your loving kindness right now. And Jesus, in his loving kindness, keeps searching for you. He, he will find you. He's your shepherd, your protector. He holds the rod and staff of heaven. And he won't give up on you. He wants to be your guide. He, he wants you to depend on him and to trust him. Let him carry you back to the fold. He wants you to let him find you. And so won't you let him? Won't you let him find you today? Number three, thought number three is this, is not only does Jesus keep searching for me, not only does he have this incredible loving kindness towards me, but when he receives me, he will, he will correct me and he will, he will direct me with, with discipline. When Jesus finds me, he, he will always correct me. He will always help me in my walk with him. When your child, if you've ever had a child that wandered off on their own and, and you had to search for them and, and while you were searching for them, maybe you felt a panic like I did when, uh, well, when, when my kids were nowhere to be found, you have that feeling. And then when you find them, what do you do? You have a conversation. You have a conversation with them. You don't find them and say, hey, it's no big deal. I don't care that you were lost. Uh, you, you don't just say, oh, whatever. You're always getting lost. You know, it's okay. Ha, ha, ha. You know, throw some laughter in there. No, you, you treat it like it was a big deal because you love them. You have this loving kindness for your kids. You love them. And, and so you have a, a conversation with them. You direct them. Maybe you discipline them. You can't run away like that, you say. You know, it's dangerous for you to do that. It's serious if you do that. It can be dangerous for you if you do that. You correct them. You help them understand that they can't just go get lost. You correct them, not because you're mean, not because you're angry. You discipline them because you love them. You know, sometimes in a world we live in today, parents especially those who are outside of of Christ, they seem to think that you just let kids do whatever they want to do. Well, undisciplined kids aren't loved kids. In fact, a, a disciplined child is a loved child. An undisciplined child is an unloved child because children need discipline. They need correction. They they need help learning how and where and, and when to walk in a, a certain way in life. If a child gets away with everything they want, uh, that's not a loved kid. Kids need training. They, they need correction and direction and, and discipline. In a way, you as a parent are like shepherds for your family. And when God finds you, he will discipline you. He will correct you. He will try to direct you somewhere better. But I want you to hear something. He doesn't do it out of anger or meanness or unkindness. In fact, he led you with loving kindness. He finds you with loving kindness. And he will continue to show you his loving kindness. Even when we wandered off. In Psalm 119, 67 to 68, 
David says this, I used to wander off until you disciplined me. You taught me, God. But now I closely follow your word. I I learned in my wandering that your word is actually better for me. You are good and only do good. When you let Jesus find you, when you let God find you, he's not going to do bad to you. He's not going to hurt you. His discipline isn't going to break you or destroy you. No, it will always build you up. So he says, you are good and and do only good. Teach me your decrees. And sometimes God uses discipline to correct us for the future. A shepherd might have sheep that are prone to wander off by themselves and and put its own life in danger. It might wander off and it might get hurt. It might wander off and put itself in a place where the wolves can easily get to them. Often sheep have no awareness of the danger that's around them. If you've ever been a parent, you know that often young children will wander off and put themselves into unnecessary danger, sometimes danger they have no clue about. And the same is true for us. God is watching us, his sheep, and and he sees sometimes that, that we are prone to wander into situations and places that will hurt us. It's said that the shepherds, one thing that they would do is if they had sheep that were prone to wander, you know, they they would be leading their sheep. And if they had one that just always was wandering, always giving him trouble, it said that they would they would tie a rope to their legs so that they couldn't wander as far. And I knew a I knew a shepherd who had a a sheep that would wander like crazy. And so what he would do is he would tie a rope to the sheep's neck and, and he would tie an old tire to the other side of that rope. And so whenever that sheep did wander, it was pulling that tire wherever it had to go. It would get tired out faster and it would, and it would eventually slow down and it wouldn't be able to wander as far. And as a shepherd, was he being mean to that sheep? Or was he showing care and concern for that sheep? Was he slowing that sheep down? Maybe maybe uh, making it so that sheep couldn't uh, go as fast and as far out of anger? Or was he doing it out of care and concern? And sometimes God, sometimes God will put things in our lives that might slow us down. Uh, that might tire us out that might that that might feel like a burden but he's doing it sometimes he's allowing it because he has care and concern for us it could be it could be said that it's like disciplining his sheep now we want to make sure we don't get the wrong idea as we talk about God's discipline though because God's discipline is very different than than God's wrath or or being punished by God. Sometimes people will say, whenever something bad happens to them in their life, they'll say, God is punishing me. You know, God is God is getting me back. He's getting even with me for something I've done. Even Christians have a tendency sometimes to have this idea in their hearts and in their heads where they'll they'll say anything bad that happens in my life, it's like God is is punishing me. 
even people who've confessed their sin to Jesus, people who have made first-time decision to believe, people who've asked for Jesus' forgiveness, people who've said, I believe, and, and, and I've repented, and, and I've been baptized. He's punishing me. But here's the thing. God will never punish you like that. Especially if you believe in Jesus. God will never punish you like that because the punishment has already been taken. The punishment has already been put on the shoulders of Jesus as he hung on a cross. If God punished all my sin on the cross, then there's no sin left to punish. Whether it was sin that was a part of my old life, whether it was a sin that was a part of my life today, whether it's a sin that, that will be a part of my life tomorrow. God knew when I said yes to Jesus that I was still going to struggle with wandering. Now, hopefully, as I've been disciplined over the years, I've learned not to wander as far. Hopefully, as I've experienced God's discipline and, and learned the lessons over the years, my wandering will, will be less and less, but I still wander. And Jesus has already taken the punishment for all my wandering on the cross. If I say God is punishing me, I'm basically saying what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough. God had to punish Jesus and then me too. Well, that means that Jesus' salvation doesn't work. I, I trust in Jesus for all my punishment. I trust him that, that he takes all my wanderings, all my sin, all my transgressions. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says this. That Jesus was pierced for our transgressions, which is a fancy word for sin, which is a word for wandering. He's already been pierced for my wanderings. He was crushed for my iniquities, another fancy word for sin. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, Jesus took all my guilt, all my shame. Je Jesus took the, the punishment, the penalty for all my wanderings. He took it all. And so there's none left for me. God will never punish those who trust in Jesus. And, and someone might say, well, is that really fair? Is it fair that 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 you can say that uh, that God will never punish you for something you did wrong? And the answer is it's not fair. But who said who said it had to be fair? There's a reason we call what God offers us through Jesus grace. Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. Grace is where God gives us a gift when what we deserved was punishment. Grace is where Jesus takes 
all my guilt and shame and wanderings on the cross. And he gives me credit for the perfect life Jesus lived. Grace is the whole reason what Jesus did at the cross works to bring us to God, to a place where we could have hope of heaven. Sometimes, though, even in the midst of knowing God's grace, sometimes he won't punish me, but he will use my struggles, my suffering, my trials, my troubles to discipline me. He will use them to help me trust in him, to help me come to his word. In Psalm 119, verse 71 the psalmist says, my suffering was good for me. It taught me to pay attention to your decrees. Whatever David was talking about when he wrote that psalm, he was talking about a problem that, that came into his life and, and a problem that, that, that he, God was using to teach him. Not to condemn him, not to punish him, but to teach him about walking with him in the future. God will never condemn you. Remember, he leads you with loving kindness, searches for you with loving kindness. He's always searching for you. He's always finding you when you wander. He wants to bring you back on his shoulders and rejoice. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says this, Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. If you belong to Jesus Christ, there's no condemnation for you. God's not condemning you. He's not judging you. He's not punishing you. But sometimes we can look at suffering and struggle, and instead of asking the question, God, why is this happening? We ask the question, God, what do you want to teach me here? What do you want to teach me here about trusting in you? What do you want to teach me here about how I might need to change what direction I'm going or, or how I might need to hear you clearer. And, and it, it, it could be any kind of trouble or suffering or struggle. It might be emotional suffering, a, a, a suffering you have in your heart. And, and God wants you to take that internal struggle you're having and he wants to, he wants to use that to teach you to trust in Him, teach you to turn to Him. It might be a relational suffering or struggle. You might be struggling in your relationships. So there, there, there might be something God is trying to use that to teach you about how to be a better friend, how to be a, how to be a more loving Christian, how to forgive. He might be using that relational tension to teach you to be more like Jesus. It might be a physical suffering. Your body is hurt or sick. And maybe that maybe that physical suffering is, is something that God could use to teach you to rely on Him, to turn to Him, to trust in Him. To trust in Him, our, our great physician. Remember, it's not punishment. It's not punishment, but it is it is something we could look at and say. How might God be using this to teach me? Sometimes his discipline is realizing that, well, when I wander, there are natural consequences to some of the 
directions I might wander. And I, I learned my lesson <laughs> from the suffering that came because of it. Sometimes his discipline is a natural result of not following him. Sometimes his discipline might feel like a, a rope tied to a tire <laughs> that we're pulling all the time. And the only way we're going to learn is if we stop asking why and we ask what. Instead of saying, why is this happening? I say, what can I learn? We look at it and we say, God, what do you want to teach me here? David says it was good for me to go through suffering. Have you ever gone through a struggle and you look back and you say, you know what? It wasn't necessarily fun. It wasn't it, it wasn't the, the, the most exciting, memorable, uh, it wasn't the most momentous uh, and enjoyable and joyful time of my life, but God was really teaching me something there. And sometimes we need to look at the trouble in life and say, well, maybe God's using this to discipline me. But even in his discipline, we can know that God is a God who loves us. No matter how far we might wander, he's always seeking us. He, our protector and our shepherd always wants to go before us. And he doesn't give up on us. And, and he wants to come and find us. Our protector and shepherd doesn't want to condemn us, doesn't want to punish us. When you turn to him after wandering or in the midst of wandering, he's not going to throw the hammer down on you. He's going to throw his arms around you and love you. And carry you. Did you catch what Jesus said at the end of his parable? That he rejoices when he finds us. I think sometimes we're scared to turn back to God after we've wandered. We're scared to face him. Sometimes you, even as a Christian, might, might be nervous about opening your Bible and reading again. Because you're worried about how God is going to respond. But Jesus tells us how he responds. He rejoices. It says in Luke 15, 7, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. There's more rejoicing in heaven when you turn and repent. And the word repent is a word that simply means to turn around. You know what the word repent means for a sheep who's wandered? It means we turn around. We turn around and we see our shepherd searching. We turn around and we realize our shepherd has this loving kindness for us. We turn around and we hear him calling and, and we answer his call. We turn around. And we let ourselves be found. What it means is we decide we believe. We decide we will receive his grace. We decide to turn to him. And when you do, Jesus rejoices. Your shepherd rejoices. And he throws a party. He throws a party in heaven. <laughs> he throws a party when you turn back to him. What does it mean for you to know that you have a shepherd who's always searching and finding? What it means is that you can always turn to him. In the midst of wandering, after wandering, what it means is you can always 
be found. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we just come to you right now, and we are so thankful that you are a God who searches and finds. That you are a God who who will see us, even in the midst, as we are sheep who wander, who go our own way sometimes, who, who sometimes can go really far away. But you never stop searching for us. Your loving kindness never ends. You don't respond to us when we turn back to you. You don't respond to us with loads of guilt and and punishment. But you respond to us with grace. Oh God, you're so good. And we're so thankful. And God, there might be some here today who've just been wandering, who need to repent and turn back to you. And I pray, Father, I pray with them. God, will you find me? God, will you bring me back to you? God, will you help me know your loving kindness and your grace? In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, I want to thank you for joining us here today. It's just been a joy and a privilege to dive into God's word together and think about how we have this God who's always searching and finding. Well, I want to finish up by declaring it's been a great day together. And I'm going to count to three and you're welcome to join me and just shout out. It's been a great day in God's word. And I hope it continues to be a great day as you go about your life, knowing that Jesus is always searching for you. You ready? One, two, three. It's been a great day. I hope you have a great day and I look forward to seeing you next Sunday.